Good evening, everyone. God bless you tonight. And welcome to Bible study. I believe and I trust the Lord that our day um, has gone well. And we are all prepared and, and set for the studying of the Word of God tonight. I want to start by charging us all and, um, of God's faithfulness and reminding us that we are the beloved of God and God is watching over his word over our lives. I pray that everything that the Lord has said lead us over us to accompany and fulfill are fulfilled in Jesus' name and our peace and our joy in God is established. I pray tonight that the Lord will preserve our children, our parents, wherever they are, in the country and in the world, and will keep them in his love. In Jesus' name. The hand of the Lord is mighty upon his own to do them good and is mighty over you. The Bible says, for the eyes of the Lord, it means... God is watching, God is conscious, God is in charge uh, over the righteous and his ears, is listening. Um, our God is not, is not, is not, is not, is not unmindful on, on of us. He is confounding our adversary. He's, he's confounding his enterprise. And God's angels are watching on our behalf. Hebrews 1 verse 13 14 say for the angels are ministering spirits. The angels are ministering spirits um, sent forth to minister for those who shall be the heads of salvation. And because we are heads of salvation they are ministering for us. Though we don't see them but they are ministering for us. They are, they are, they are working in tandem with God's word. So let's come to a place of full rest and understanding of the power of God in our lives. And um, as, as a nation, as a people, we stand in the gap to pray. Uh, God will strengthen the nation and, and give us men in authority who will bring good to the land and, and, and reign in justice and righteousness hallelujah tonight um, and remember that the church is the light remember the church is the salt remember that you are the hope you are the reason God is is involved with the world today the way is involved in it so let's be strong and know that there's hope because Jesus is alive. Not just alive, he is alive. But he's alive in you. And he's alive in me. Amen tonight. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you because your precious word gives us hope. Because your word is hope. Your word is faith. You've revealed to us 
through the means of your word and the means of your act with the children of Israel that you are faithful through all the things that happened that will happen that will yet happen you always prove that you are God and so Lord tonight we come to a place of full rest and confidence that you will lead us continually but Lord you've manifested your power your full power in your word and the gospel because by it your power is revealed and so Lord tonight we come to look at your word to learn of you precious father make our hearts receptive give us clarity help us understand that we may rejoice in you I know tonight Lord you are ready to speak to us thank you because we learn of your boundless word in Jesus name Amen. Praise God tonight. Hallelujah. I believe you are set again this evening as we continue in our study from where we left off um, the last time. Um, we began from Romans chapter 2 and um, like I said to us uh, and I want you to remember this as we make progress because there will be a lot of things to learn. A lot of teachings to learn. Remember I said earlier on that there are many um, doctrine, teachings that you find all over scriptures from, from the words of our Lord himself to the words inspired by the apostles and throughout the New Testament. Their teachings of life, their teachings of grace and faith and power, and we must learn all of them together to form a sound basis of our Christian belief as we grow. But there are few of them that we find situated um, in the book of Romans. And these are the ones we are looking at um, in particular in this study so that you will appreciate and come to full knowledge and um, like I said to you you remember when, 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 when we were in school the objective of our study is to come out with a degree either a bachelor's degree or BA um, in arts or BSc in science or BMG in tech or all the or LLB in law or MB BS medicine and surgery um, LLM masters in law PhD all sorts but you always remember that you never get the degree in your first year. In fact, in your first year, you will not be taught in fact anything relating to the degree you came for. Everything you are being taught is preamble. They want to give you basic knowledge, a foundation 
on which whatever they're teaching you can be built upon. You see, that's the process. So there's a lot, and sometimes it takes four years. It's called that actually, if they have taught you the basic things that you came for in honor level, you feel that ah, you will have understood those things actually. Because really, there's no, but no, that's how it is. You have to take sometimes four years, sometimes five years, sometimes six years, sometimes seven years to learn. Because knowledge is actually progressive. That's how it's, it is. You know, in Mark's Gospel, the 13th chapter, I mean, Mark's Gospel, the third chapter, the 13th verse and 14th verse, Bible says, and Jesus called to himself the 12 that would be with him. He ordained them that they might be with him. And how long were they with him? Three and a half years. Teaching and training them. So there's something about us knowing for ourselves the principles and the precepts of God. Isaiah says in Isaiah 28, he said, and this is how they will learn of me, said the Lord. Line upon line. Precepts upon precept. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. That means it is line upon line. It is precept upon precept. In fact, it says, here a little, there a little, until it becomes whole. And so, we need to pay attention to the little things we are hearing so that you don't forget this little when you start hearing another little. You know, there's a way in school we are giving tests and exams so we remember what we've learned in first semester. If there's no way to remind us, we'll forget. So there's a, there's a mechanism for reminding. So I'm saying this to us so that we don't forget what we learned in chapter 1, 2, by the time we get to chapter 16. So everything must come together to form. Because God has taken delight and pleasure in us. That through us, this is the mystery, this is the joy. Through us, he might make himself known. As I start this evening, come bring your Bibles, everybody, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, I want to show you something important going on in the heart of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2. I want to read verse 14 and 15. In fact, let me read to 17. I will read from the New King James Version. I'll have preferred the ESV or the NASB. But let me read tonight. Um, let me read from verse 14. And verse 14 says, Praise God. It says, Now thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God 
the fragrance of Christ among those who have been saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other, aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as so many peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. Thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us spreads. So God wants to spread the knowledge of word, of his knowledge, the fragrance of his knowledge. You know the word fragrance means something beautiful, something sweet, something, um, um, something wonderful, something attractive, something that has life. It says, through us, God wants to spread the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. And how will he do that in every place? I am not in every place, but with me in my place, with you in your place, with they in their place, when we all spread this knowledge, God's truth is being spread where? In everywhere. But the knowledge is what is to be spread. But how then do we get the knowledge? By teaching. And that's why Bible studies like this are fundamental and germane to the growth and the fulfillment of the will of the Lord. And so tonight, we'll turn back our Bibles to Romans chapter 2. And in the last class, I emphasized from the word we heard that Paul began to emphasize the doctrine of justification by what? By faith. Now, when you read, because this evening, I want to narrow down on two words again, um, justification and repentance, because those two words um, features between verse, verses 1 through 4. But you might not appreciate and understand the, the weight, because this is the, this is the beginning of the church life after the ascension of Christ. And so there's this, there's this understanding that the Jews had. Remember that Jesus came from the stock of the Jews. He came from the line of David. God sent him through one nation that from that nation he will reach the world. He says, go to the world and preach. Starting from Jerusalem. Now unto Judea. And unto Samaria. And to the uttermost part of the earth. So it means the world will go from the epicenter. And that's why in Acts 2. On the day of Pentecost. When they began to preach. It was the Jews that preached. It was Peter's sermon. It was, it, was, it was the voice of Peter and the, and the eleven that, that everyone heard when the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. And everyone that came from all the earth to worship in Jerusalem 
encountered and heard about this. And about 3,000 people were saved in that encounter. And they all went back to their various nations carrying this message. And this is how the church in Rome began. Because it wasn't Paul, it wasn't Peter that established the church in Rome. But because God's word is true, he said the word will spread and the word spread. But you see, because the apostles at the time were alive and everything happening was, was, was being passed through them for vexing. And because they are predominantly Jews, the idea that everyone too that will become a Christian must come through the Jewish custom. In fact, they saw Jesus as a Jewish man. Through, he was a Jew. Jesus, in that sense, is not a Christian. <laughs> but Jesus is the, is the head of the church. And we now know the church to be a group of people identified as Christians because their lives is emulating the life of Christ. It's all flaming tonight. And so the context of Romans is the contention of the apostles and the early church as to the procedure of becoming a Christian, given the fact of the place of the Jew. And this is and, and this cannot be wished away at this time. Because truly, Jesus came from the land of David. And all the apostles were Jews. Amen. And so, Paul was right on this church. Having been born again and have many, many Jewish converts. And many, Jew, and many Jewish non-converts. Non hanging around. Trying to, to, to protect Judaism. And the Jewish Christians still had sympathy for their Jewish religion. So they are trying to balance it. How do we not truncate our heritage and still hold on to the truth of Christ? And so they kept the Gentiles in dilemma. Then what do we believe? So Paul began to write to address this. Now remember that this is the predominant context. And then to us now, what does this mean? It means we also must not have a mindset that people come to Christ by doing certain things to qualify to be a child of God. There are no rules. There are no works. The Jews want to include the works of the law, the sacrifices of the law, the ordinances of the Old Testament that were for the Jews. That no one can come to Christ without those. And what, what, what one of them? One of them was what? Circumcision. Daily sacrifice. The sacrifice of, of animals and all those things. Whereas Christ has come 
as the sacrifice once and for all. So the sacrificial process had been done in Christ. So those things are no more. For if the law was perfect, there will not be the need for a new testament. But the, the, the Jews didn't understand this because of the time that they were. Remember, this was between one to ten years of the Christian church. So many things were still were still being 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 no were, were, I, 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 the word that was what evolving it was evolving you know you know they were still growing in the doctrine of Christ and so Paul wrote to them and you see this argument over and over again in the in the in 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 in, in, in the book of Romans but now let's come I said last time that Paul is saying. This issue of justification is important. So that there's no ambiguity. How men will be saved. And how will they be saved? He said to them, it has nothing to do with human impute. Just like the priest of old will be the one to sacrifice if the priest is not there, no one can do anything. Remember, there was a time when Saul had to fight um, um, in battle and he needed someone to come. And someone did not come, he delayed in coming. And, and, and cause would be on him if he, if, if, if he went ahead to sacrifice without the, the prophet and the priest being the one alone ordained of God to so do. And so there's this, there's, this, there's, this, there's this mindset that no one can come in until certain laws and rules were fulfilled. And this is very important today in our evangelism. So we don't tell people um, um, just 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 come as you are. Um, no, 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 no. We present the record school. The Bible says that we are justified by faith. Now remember the word justification is a legal term. It means being made free. So the judge is the only one that can determine who goes free. And in this case, it's God that justifies. Romans 8. For it's Christ that died. So no one can come in between that. No work must be added because this is important that we must learn. So he says that we are justified by faith alone in Christ. So how do we get born again? You don't get born again by doing certain things first. No. You get born again solely by the will and the work of God. It's God that regenerates. It's God that recreates. It's God that cleanses by his mercy and his grace. That's why he sent his son Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes, whosoever believes in him, should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. So the question 
of justification is being is, is under attack here. And Paul wants to clarify it. And so when we go to preach, we tell the people, you are worthy of death. In fact, you are already dead. But someone has paid the price by his blood. God has, has, has made a, a way for he made him who knew no sin. He made him to become sin. That he may become our propitiation and our expiator. So everyone, no matter your face, it says the vilest offender who truly believes that moment, that instant from Jesus, a pardon what he will receive. Why? Because the price has been paid. He needs not do anything to earn it. So it means nobody earns salvation. So we mustn't preach a salvation that is based on works. So we see that Paul is arguing and, and with passion here, telling us that salvation is by faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. Let me say it again now. True justification that makes us a child of God is through grace, by faith, in Christ. If anyone can put his faith, he will be saved. Romans chapter 10 from verse 6. For God's own righteousness does not speak on this wise. Who shall ascend to heaven for to bring Christ back down? Or who will descend to the abyss or the grave for to bring him up again? He said, but what's here then? The word is thee, even in the heart and in the mouth. The word of faith, the gospel of our redemption which we preach. For if thou shalt believe, we in the heart, the Lord Jesus. For if thou believe in the Lord Jesus, with that heart, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart we believe unto righteousness, and with the mouth we make confession unto salvation. For he that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see that he that calls not, he that does things before he calls, no. He that calls upon, because this point is vital. So he that calls, the moment they call and put their faith in Christ, they're saved. I will read through Galatians 2.16, Ephesians 2.1-9. through 9. So as we pray for the for the unsaved, we are praying that 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 that, that, that God will open their eyes, that the God of this world will lose grip on them, that they may see and believe in the glorious gospel of our Lord. Turn me to Acts chapter eleven. Let me show you how strong these words in the early church. Acts eleven is a summary of Acts ten. Of the encounter that the apostle Peter had with Cornelius. Remember that story? Peter was in the house of 
Simon returner by the seaside. He went to the rooftop to have some rest while, while food was being prepared. And God gave me a revelation. Acts chapter 10. And we saw from heaven coming down sheets from the four corners. And in it, there were all manner of clean and unclean animals. Remember, in the Old Testament, God has given them certain animals they mustn't eat. Every animal that, 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 that has two hooves shall not, is not clean for food. Any animal that does not chew the cord should not be eaten. Any animal that glides with his tummy must not be eaten. So they, they, they understood all this. And, and then he saw this vision. And he says, no Lord, if I see, he was arguing with God. Thank God he understood the law. He says, no Lord, I have never eaten anything unclean since I was born. I've kept the law. But God told him, do not call what, I, my God, see that. Do not call what I've made clean unclean. <laughs> now, you see that now. So this is the beginning of all this. For God had made all clean by the blood. Hallelujah tonight. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's why we can't give up on anyone, no matter how sinful they are. And the vision appeared about three times. And God took it to heaven. And then he woke up. What woke him up? The messengers of Cornelius. The same time God was showing Peter, he had shown Cornelius the vision that sent forth to Joppa. He will tell you, listen, he will tell you what thou will do to be what? To be saved. It means, it means, now listen, Cornelius was a good man. He gave arms, in fact, he built synagogues, he was, he, he loved God's people. He was a nice man. But God knows that no niceness, no righteousness outside the blood, outside Christ can earn one eternal life. He says, I know your works. You have, you have a good hand. But your goodness can earn you salvation. Therefore, send to Joppa and call for Peter. For he will tell you what he will do. And this Peter actually doesn't understand that God has gone beyond observing the law for redemption. He was still living in the past, even though he was the spokesperson for the new. Wow. He was still living in the past, in the old, even though he, was, he, he ought to be the revelator of the new. But he hasn't had full knowledge of what God is planning in the new. And so, when they came, because of the word of the Lord, he went with them. Now, Acts 11 was, was his defense. <laughs> See the word? Peter was among the, the most strongest of his apostles. But even the youngest one were firing him right, left, and center. That you have gone contrary to the law. <laughs> Battle began. And Peter came to defend himself. So, Acts 11 is defense. Let's be together for this to write from Acts 1. Now, why is this important? Because something was being established. God is saying to them, Grace saves now. 
No more law. So when we go, you see, that's why you must be, you must rejoice in evangelism because it's now much about what the grace, the faith of Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it said from verse 1, Now the apostles and brethren who were into there, hear that? The apostles and the brethren, that means the church, who were into there, heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, see the word, those of what? The circumcision contended with him. Even though he was their leader, but it says, no, we won't agree with you. So there was, there was an argument in the church. But argument is an argument for the love of God to defend the truth of God. See that? But one party knew a little more than the other. Verse 3 saying, You went into uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter explained it to them in order from what the beginning saying. Verse 4. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object descending like a great sheet let down from heaven by four corners, and it came to me. When I observed it intently, I considered, I, I, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. I said, No, so Lord, for nothing common or unclean had has at any time entered my mouth, but but a voice as I said to me from heaven, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. Praise God. That means the message of grace and redemption, we must not make it complex. Praise God. Tell them God loves, He wants you saved. You are doomed to hell by virtue of your sin. But you, 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 you have a window in the love of God to escape the wrath to come. And this is the message that God was passing across to Peter and the apostles so they can change their mind. But guess what? Unfortunately, they couldn't change their mind. Verse 10 or verse 11. And at that very moment, three men stood before the house where I was where I was, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Then the Spirit told me to go with them, doubting nothing. Moreover, this, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house, who said to him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you, who will tell you words by which ye, ye all and your household will be saved. Now hold on. That means they are words. That means no one can just be saved by himself. Men can only be saved by what? Words. Please hold up your hands. That Paul said in First Corinthians 2. He said, and when I came to you, brethren, I came not to you with the excellency of speech, declaring to you what? The gospel or the testimony of God. For my teaching and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but what demonstrate of the Spirit of God and of power, and do you in witness and in much trembling. Why did I preach that way? That 
the faith of man will not rest in man's wisdom, but rest in the power of God. So he came with words. That's why you must know the word to preach. The message is not God will give you a miracle. But before the miracle comes to you, confess and give your life to Jesus. Nobody gives his life to Jesus when God hasn't given him to Jesus. I repeat, no one gives his life to Jesus when God hasn't given him to Jesus. For Jesus Christ said, for no one can come to me except the Father draws him. So there's nothing we can do to get men saved outside God getting them saved by the teaching or the preaching of the word. First Thessalonians 1 verse 5. Paul said, and our word of the message did not come to you in word only, but it came by word. Romans 1 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. So what word do you know? He will tell you words. Verse 14. Who will tell you words? And that's why we all must know the words to speak. So don't tell anybody. Come to our church. You'll be saved. That's not the gospel. Don't tell them. Um, raise your torch and, and wave it. As you wave it, you'll be saved. That's not the gospel. Don't share testimony and think by it. Men will say, that's not the gospel. Peter did not share testimony. He told them about Jesus, what he has done, and how men ought to put faith in him. That is the word. That is the vehicle that we must all learn. Who will tell you words by which you all have shall be saved. And as I began to speak, you see the word? That means there's... There are things to say. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Now, that was the point, if we didn't ask them, that was the point that Peter hands off. He said, now I know that God is no respecter of persons. That in every nation and every time that men seek him, he shows himself strong in their behalf. Acts 17, 31, 30. And God commands men everywhere now to repent. For the days of ignorance, God has wintered. But now men ought to repent and turn to God. So we're seeing a pattern. So there's a so so there's an argument of the process. How men be saved now. God told Peter, it is no more about fulfilling certain rules. So we don't expect people to come to church and give them three years of, of training to see if they are now changing before they can. No, we don't get men saved that way. Men are saved the moment, the instant they put their faith in Christ, they become a new creation. For if any man be in Christ by the blood, he said, what? A new creation instantly. All things are past. All things have become new. Very important. Very important. So how do we preach? We preach by the word. We preach that sin has destroyed the human race. For all have sinned. And the soul that sins dies. And death is not the end of man. But he that comes to God with a contrite heart 
God will have mercy on him because he has given his son to take the place of the sinful man. And this is the grace, the hand of redemption from the Lord. So we see in Acts 11, the real issue. So if the apostles were still fighting Peter, no wonder in Galatians 2, that we read last, last week, that when Peter saw people coming from Judea, the second time, he ran back that I don't want trouble again. Because they still did not agree. They felt that no, this is what we believe. And when they did not receive that, God had to turn to Paul. That Paul, I'm sending you the Gentiles. Let Peter and others face the Jews. Galatians 2, verses 7 and 8. Turn the way tonight. Galatians 2, verses 7 and 8. Galatians 2, so, so, so you know how that played out. Let's read tonight together. Galatians 2, verses 7. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised, who are the day? The apostles had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. So because the apostles and Peter, they could not break away from that mindset. God had to call Paul with the gospel of grace by faith in Christ without the works of the law to the Gentiles. Verse 8. For he who was effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also was effective in me unto the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas or Peter and John, who see the pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So this is the reason. And on these grounds, Paul had to write to the church because they were still not agreeing in Rome. They were still fighting the Gentiles who believed in Christ without circumcision, without works. And today in our world, we also mustn't fall into that trap. We must present the gospel the way it ought to be presented. And so we see that here play out. But the second thing that Paul said, he mentioned repentance. Please note, don't forget, from chapter 1, Paul said, the means, because folks, folks, this is key. Because if anyone will be admitted into the kingdom, it must be by the right way. If not, God will not have sent an angel to Cornelius. So that he can be shown the right way. So that people don't just think, I can just join them and have joined. No, there is a right way to join the church. And he says, Peter will tell you the things that will help you become safe, both you and your world household. And Peter spoke the words of Christ. 
And so the means of joining the church is the means of what? The gospel. Not by association. Some join the church because they are looking for something. And because of that over time, they assume that they are believers. Some join because they want to marry. Some come because they want to be buried. Some come because they want to, to have network. Some come because it's just the thing that is in vogue. We must not allow this understanding to elude us. That's what we must begin to interrogate and find out. So people around us in church may be assured and we must all know that we're headed towards the same direction. This is key both to God and to Christ. Romans chapter 2. Let's read verse 4 this evening. Let me take a little there before we close. I won't rush anything because there's so much to discuss. But remember, another key factor that Paul is addressing in this in, in Romans is the relationship between the Jews now and the church on one hand and the Jews and the plan of God for them in redemptive history. So Paul was showing that. But what we get there to declare to us. Romans 2 verse, verse 4. Romans 2 verse 4. But in accordance, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long suffering, not knowing that God's goodness leads to repentance. Now let's hold on there. So we see the policy that as we preach salvation by faith, grace in Christ, men ought to repent. Now when you read Acts 2, Acts 2, quickly, verse 38. So let, let, let's see how these things you know, began to transition. Acts 38. He said, or let's take from verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom we crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they had this, they were caught to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, the word said, Repent every one of you and be baptized. So that, now, now, the question is, do I repent before salvation? Or I repent after salvation. So at what point do I repent or do men repent? First thing you want to know here is this. Like verse 4 said, that the goodness and the forbearance and long-suffering of God. Now, in the order of salvation, Men repent after they are saved. Repentance is not 
before salvation or else it will become like works. But we are called to repent. Let me show you this tonight. Titus 3. Let's start from there. Titus 3. What is the place of repentance and at what point is that in the order of redemption? Repentance is very important. Now, what is repentance? It means to turn away from to something else. For everyone that comes to Christ, we repent from our sins. We stop doing them. And now we turn to God. We repent from dead works. And we turn our faith toward who? Toward God. So repentance is not stopping something that is wrong, but now turning toward God. Let's read that tonight. Titus 3. We'll read verses 4 and 5. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So how are we saved? By his mercy. So his mercy saves us. It is not our repentance that saved us. But after the mercy has saved us, we are called to what? To repent. Amen tonight. Now, having repented, after we've been saved, we are also enjoying to be what? Be baptized in water. And that's why we encourage everyone to be baptized in water. It's an injunction of God. So it's not our repentance that saves us. It is God's mercy that saves us. And that mercy leads us to what? To repentance. That's why everyone who is born again will not continue in the old way of life. So we repent. That's repentance. You can't come to Christ and continue your old life. We can come to Christ and keep living the same way we lived before we came to Christ. No. For everyone who has truly been born again, come to a place of a new life in repentance to God. In fact, in Matthew 3, the Bible says, Having repented, we should bring forth fruit worthy of what? Of repentance. So at what point? And this is the answer. It is not the repentance or the word of, of repentance that brings salvation. No, we have been saved. It is the mercy of God that saves us. And that mercy leads us to what? Repentance. That forbearance of God, that, that, that long suffering, that grace that God has shown us must lead us to repentance. That's why to before we end. This is critical. Having been saved now, we must not continue in our old life. We tell the people that are coming to Christ, 
That now we are in Christ, we are called to a new life. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of what? Sin and death. So no one who truly is in Christ will continue to make a practice of what? Of sin. And that's why no church must leave room for sinners or people who are making a practice continually, consistently of sin. I'll give you all two scriptures as I close. Because this is what Paul was, no, was saying here. Was it repentance? And how do we get saved? The Jew said, we must observe the law. And Paul says in Romans 10 verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law to all that believe it unto what? Righteousness. And having repented, or rather, having been saved, we are called to repent and turn from our old ways. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Ephesians 5, verse 1. I read, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children and work in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us and offering and sacrifice to God for his sweet smelling servant. Therefore, be ye imitators. You know, God cannot tell you to imitate him if his, his power is not in you for regeneration. And so we encourage every new convert and we tell them the requirements of God for a new life not being done by the flesh, but this enablement comes by the help and the aid of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. And maybe I'm going to close on here tonight. 1 Corinthians 6. I read from. Let's read it from verse. Okay. Let, let's read from verse 8. He says, no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. For he says, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. That means in times past, we were like this, we were children of wrath. 
But now, he says, but you were what? Washed. Verse 11. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So it means, having been washed, having been cleansed, sanctified, justified, separated, made anew, we must not again get entangled with the works of the flesh. So there's repentance, having been saved, and that's the mark. How do we know someone in whom the work of grace has been effected? We see that in their lives. The desire for their old, old, um, old desires, their old the, 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 the things they are drawn to do prior to knowing Christ of their own accord they forsake it this is how we know that the work of regeneration and renewing and the washing and the cleansing have been done the desire for righteousness increases the desire for sin decreases and so this is a process that Paul is trying to lay. So not in the church in Rome or anyone that is saved will think that having been saved, I can continue in my sin. No. He's saying, having been saved, we are called to live a life worthy of redemption. Tonight, I will take time to close here. But I want to believe that you have picked something in this teaching tonight. And I want this to register in your heart. Because God will send you out at times unknowing to you to preach the gospel. This is the message. It's about Christ. It's about the grace of God. It's about the penalty of sin. That Christ has born on behalf of the world. And now men need to receive by faith. And turn from their wicked ways. This is the good news. This is the message. That must be in our lips. And for us believers. We must not allow sin. To have dominion over us. This is how we shine as light. This is how we salt the earth. This is how we fully represent Christ. Doing the right thing. Living the right way. And in doing so, never think the world will like you. Don't expect the world to clap for you. Don't expect the world to say thumbs up to you. Because if you expect that, you will be disappointed. The world will hate you for the sin of righteousness. But blessed are you when men persecute and revile you 
Blessed are you when men talk down with you because of Christ. Great is your reward in heaven. So there's no barrier. There's no work prior to redemption. Just present the gospel and trust God to walk in the heart of the listener. And as he puts his faith in Christ, genuinely, the Lord will save. And haven't, and haven't been saved. Everyone saved is called to repent. Is called to turn. Is called to forsake. It's a requirement. And this repentance comes out of a willing heart. Because now the spirit of Christ, the spirit of righteousness, endures the new nature. And that new nature is empowered to suppress the old man that the light of God may shine forth in the world. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. For the entrance of your word, give it light. Thank you, Lord, for now we've been taught again of grace, faith, and redemption. Lord, we've been taught tonight of justification and repentance. Lord, equip us with your word. Equip us with the true gospel. As we go forth, presenting these words, you will save men according to your grace. But everyone who is lost that comes in contact with the word you put in our hearts may find grace. Thank you, God, tonight. We bless your name. Bless every household. Bless every family. We rest in your love. We rest in your grace. Thank you, Savior. We bless your name forever. Lord, I've slept tonight and rest in these times. We rest in your knowledge and in your power. Thank you, because your angels are watching over us in all that we do. To the praise and glory of your matchless name. Thank you, Lord, for preaching our thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Good night, folks. God bless you. See you again Saturday by the grace of God for prayer meeting. Amen. God bless you all.